Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spahn, and with me today is Zach Sokol. Zach hosts a podcast called Of Gods and Monsters, which I've really enjoyed uh, a way of getting into a bunch of different types of horror movies. Each episode, they review one and then kind of talk about the production of it, behind the scenes type of stuff, which that's been a really cool thing for me to, uh, to learn from your show. Yeah, a lot of that stuff when it comes to especially like Universal movies or a lot of these iconic movies is they're very well documented, especially like when they were releasing a bunch of the DVD versions of them. Some of those people were still like quite alive. So like they were able to get all these interviews and documentation and they have like a wealth of information. It's not that hard to actually find a lot for like pretty much any movie. For me, I love that type of stuff. I'm just like a big old sponge when it comes to film history. Some things I get, sometimes I get things wrong. Sometimes I get things right. But it's it's an interesting narrative to follow, especially like for me, like I love history. Though the weird thing is, is my expertise isn't actually universal movies. It's actually theme parks. <laughs> what? I, I didn't even know that. What the heck, man? Yeah, no, theme parks like Disneyland stuff. I can pretty much if if I were to like walk through Disneyland, I could probably give you like a really good tour of everything. <laughs> That's so cool. Um, actually, learning kind of about the history of Disneyland um, is is sort of what inspired this show originally, and it's is kind of first form was thinking about how cool it is, like theme parks and what they represent as a, a kind of cultural artifact and how they connect with media. And, you know, a lot of the themes and stuff come from other works of media. And so it's like you get to walk into the world of these amazing works of fiction. And so, yeah, it's just a, a magical and captivating thing. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that you appreciate it, too. That's so cool. Do you do you get to do any like podcasting related to that that love at all? Uh, not as much as I used to. Like I used to like do a lot of like theme park events and stuff. Like I actually know a lot of people that do theme park podcasts, but I've never thought of doing one because for me, like my fun of going to a theme park is just hanging out with my friends. And I know there's like a lot of people that get into the minutia about like certain news, events, and histories and stuff. But for me, like I've worked in the theme park industry, so I have a different. Like, I almost have like, maybe like a bias. So I I think it almost would be a little too dangerous for me to like. <laughs> do a theme park podcast at times but for me i love interactive entertainment especially like movies and theme parks actually go very hand in hand the creation disneyland was actually built mostly out of people that came from the movie industry to make disneyland so there's actually like a very big bridge between theme parks and disneyland and how those trickled down into modern theme parking currently yeah, that that's so cool, and I really like the series on Disney Plus. If if anyone out there hasn't heard or seen it yet, it's called uh, the Imagineering Story. Really cool. It's just cool to see like behind the scenes stuff that the Imagineers were doing, and a lot of that series is kind of um, the very early days of Disneyland and how much chaos it was. Really, and I don't know, it just seems like such a random, whimsical time. The funny thing is, is that's a very scrubbed version of like the history of Disneyland because. There were things that are just so crazy that they didn't have time to talk about. Like one of my favorite stories is uh, the first time they filled up Rivers of America, they filled it up all the way and they left for the night. They came back and the river was completely gone. Oh, my God. The reason why was because no one thought, oh, we, if we put a bunch of water in there, it's just going to stay. It seeped into the ground. So they had to figure out a way to like fix the rivers of America. They actually had to hire someone who was like a naval engineer. Uh, wow. I can't remember his first name, but his name was Fowler. They actually named the little restaurant next to it, the Fowler Inn after him. But he came up with a lot of ways to fix the rivers of America. And it's like one of my, one of my favorite stories. That's so cool. And yeah, I love, I love that kind of like naivete almost like we're going to do this thing like starry eyed, like 
this has never been done before. We're going to figure it out. It's such a cool entrepreneurial thing. And like, it was such a huge risk and and it paid off so well. Like it's, it's amazing that the people that, you know, they were able to assemble on that team in order to solve so many problems in such like short amount of time. And there were so many problems. Right, right. It completely overwhelming. Like it's almost like weirdly underdog tale kind of thing. It's like the, you know, these scrappy gang of, of artists came together and like, I mean, now you wouldn't say Disney is, is a scrappy underdog whatsoever, but at the time, like, I mean, sure they were, they were big within the film industry, but like this theme park thing was a huge gamble and it was a total revolution. It was a lot different because especially with like theme parks, there was nothing done on the scale before because amusement parks always had like this negative connotation, especially like we look at Knott's Berry Farm, like it was designed pretty much Knott's Berry Farm was designed as like a happy accident because um, Walter and Cornelia Knott were like, we'll make a fried chicken stand. It became so popular. There was like a four hour wait. It's like, okay, (laughs) well, uh, we'll add like this ghost town and add things to it. And it's kind of trickled into what it is today. But when it comes to like Disneyland, it was made in the middle of nowhere. Like there wasn't the freeway at the time. It was just the highway. But also at the same time, it was the issue with like Disneyland was that if it flopped, it would be bad. Actually, fun fact, uh, the original, original mascot for Disneyland. What was it? I have no clue. It was Tinkerbell because if Disneyland was to fail, they didn't want mickey mouse to be associated with it so it would tarnish his wow. brand so they could go oh back to making animation like there's there's things that they would do like that. that's why like <laughs> if you ever see any of those original like disneyland promotional material or like the disneyland show with like walt disney it was tinkerbell's the main focus of that that's so cool like he was like saving his his a material because this is such a big risky thing yeah that's amazing <laughs> how cool man that's awesome thank you for like that insight that's that's super cool I love that kind of stuff. This is exciting. So yeah, um, your show is really cool of Gods and Monsters with with your co-host, Caitlin Duffy. I really like hearing the interplay between you two. And you both have like so many thoughtful things to say about these horror movies as you go through. And obviously those trivia nuggets, like these bombs you've been dropping on us about Disney. Uh, if the the audience likes those, go ahead and check out of Gods and Monsters. I'm a huge, huge fan. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show, especially Yay. being able to talk about theme parks because... When most kids were like, I want to do this, I want to do that, like, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a trucker, I was like, I kind of want to be an Imagineer. Right? <laughs> it's so cool, and it's such, like, a whimsical job. Like, I'm sure it's hard. Like, any job is is a job. You know, it's work. Um, once you start getting paid for something and someone has expectations, you have responsibilities, it's a lot less, you know, magical. But then again, the reality of magic is pretty magical itself. Like knowing that yeah this is boring and maybe you're just working on like the toilet stalls or something just for this place where where kids are going to be like smiling all the time like it's a really cool industry yeah the theme park industry is a very interesting one especially like the funny thing is like the most popular time to go to a theme park well at least in my opinion is during halloween especially in california yeah because we all go all out knott's berry farm disneyland does something different we have halloween horror nights Six Flags does their Fright Fest. There's a lot of things. And there's also like the Queen Mary does stuff. You know, unfortunately, due to COVID-19, all that stuff had to be canceled this year as, you know, as it should be due to health reasons. But it's one of those things. It's like people like this is the thing they look most forward to during the year. And especially like being able to like talk about Universal Classic Monsters. It's almost like a almost like a given because they are so beloved and them being such you know pop culture icons 
they've transcended horror for sure. Like people have definitely seen these, these monsters, you know, out and about and not only within film, but like, you know, references and parodies all over the place in media. Um, but yeah, I think Halloween is a really magical time because it's kind of a, a time when you expect fiction to cross over into the real world, which only maybe happens like at Christmas, like, you know, maybe a little bit at Easter when you're really young, but like Halloween, I think for, for most people is a time when, you know, it feels like we go into a different dimension a little bit or like, you know, the the fiction comes alive. Um, it, I don't know. It's really cool. You get a little bit of that as like at, at, at like anime conventions and stuff like that. But Halloween, it's like that for everyone. And I think it's just one of the most magical things. And I don't know, man, really cool. Yeah, Halloween is like for me is the my favorite because it's a lot of like interactive entertainment, especially with like people coming out and going boo and like scare actors like. I don't know where you live, but have you ever been to Knott's Berry Farm during Halloween time? I've like, been there, but not during Halloween. Um, I've been to Kings Island at Halloween. Like they have, they have some pretty cool haunted houses and stuff like that. There is nothing more scarier than seeing a monster that suddenly starts running at you and slides because they do that wow. and coming at you. Like there, there's this term called sliders, and there's nothing more scarier than that. That's awesome. Universal monsters. Uh, if if the audience is unfamiliar with what that term means or what that en- encapsulates, could you give us a little bit of like a, a background on what that term means to you? Yeah, sure. So universal monsters, or I always consider them like the universal classic monsters, is that the period between like the 1930s to about the 1950s, Universal was putting out some of the most iconic movies, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Invisible Man and a lot of other movies that kind of transcended kind of like the definition of what horror is today. We have like people think of Freddy and Jason and like a lot of like all these like 80s slasher movies. But back then these were like the scariest of the scary, especially like during the times of like heavy censorship and like trying to like figure out what's the great medium for both talking horror and having like this black and white horror, because it is like the fantastical of adopting like, old gothic literature into the big screen such as with dracula and frankenstein that kind of became such a huge pop culture phenomenon that we still see it today like you can show a picture of what frankenstein looks like with boris karloff and people will know exactly what the monster is same as with with dracula people still do a lot of like the impressions like if you like walked with your arms out and like lumbered around people know that you're doing like a frankenstein's monster impression and that's kind of like the most beloved thing about them is they kind of transcended into this almost above pop culture where you can just kind of reference them same as how like when i think of godzilla if you just add zilla at the end of everything like people know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) right that's very true it's they've become tropes like they're not just these you know pillars of their own movie franchises but they're they're things that can be referenced and can be recontextualized and transformed into so many different things yeah exactly that's a really good point I'm also impressed with the frequency of these films. Like in preparation for this, I I also got my tonsils out. So I was like home kind of sick for a long time recovering. And so I was like, I'm just going to, you know, watch a bunch of movies. I have to wake up every four hours anyway, just to, you know, eat a little bit. So I might as well watch a little bit of a movie. And so I've been able to get through a ton of them, but so many of them were released with even like a 10 year period. It's like, they were just cranking them out. It's, it's really cool. They must've been successful in the moment, you know, at the time too, they weren't like, 
just uh, sleeper hits, I don't think. Well, so when it comes to like the idea of like movies coming out, we're actually in a time now where movies are infrequent. I guess like right now it doesn't help that we're in COVID-19, but you have to remember that before we had the internet, before we even had blockbuster video, to see a movie, you might only get a chance to see it maybe once and you might never see it again. So one of these times what they did is they kept pumping out movies they knew that worked, especially like they would re-release movies, but for the most part, they would just make sequels of movies very, very quickly because they were not, not that they weren't cheap to make, but they were very easy to make. They were very easy because they shot them all in the back lot. They had a very controlled environment and it was almost like an assembly line at times, which when Star Wars came out, that kind of collapsed a little bit, but um, you have like this only like a first market. Like sometimes you would have re-releases, but for the most part, for the very most part, the reason why they were making so many movies was because if you didn't see it the first time, you were never going to see them again for a very, very long time until the advent of television. Right. And I mean, it was, I'm sure it was kind of like a, a dopamine hit, like what we do now with like, with binging, I'm sure they were excited, you know, every three or four years to be able to go see the next Dracula movie. It's like, uh, I think there's something about the human brain where you want to return to something familiar, but see it expressed in a new way. Like, you know, I love that episode of the show. I can't wait to see the next one. I feel like it was something like that. Like there's something really interesting about serial content to the human brain. Yeah. And even if we look at like serial content based off of like movie serials, like a Flash Gordon serial mm-hmm. or like one of those like cl- crime drama serials is that you'd have to come back to the theater each week and they would try to do that. They do gimmicks and stuff, especially right when the advent of television happened, they started doing that's when 3D became popular. That's when like people like William Castle would like put skeletons on the roof or put like vibrating chairs to get people into the theaters. Whereas like when it comes to like universal movies, they kept trying to pump them out because that actually is what saved universal was the weird thing. It's it's actually tried and true now is that you can release a really cheap horror movie, make a lot of money very quickly because you know, there's a market and they're easy to make because all you need is a dark room and someone to go boo. (laughs) It does seem to be like, um, maybe the greatest, you know, like return on investment films. I, I don't, I haven't researched this whatsoever. I'm just, you know, talking off the top of my head, but it seems like horror movies are the ones who are always breaking those records. Um, and it, I mean, it seems like it's been that for a, been like that for a long time. They're definitely, they're definitely hardcore fans of the whole genre. You know, people might not see every single comedy movie, but they might see every single horror movie. Yeah. Like a good example, this is the paranormal activity movies. Like they were made for like pennies pretty much. Well, the first one and they made like this global success and this is kind of like spawned into this huge franchise same as with actually like Blair um, Witch Project right Blair Witch Project is another good example of that John Carpenter's Halloween is for the longest time was the highest return on investment movie for the very longest mm. time I think like 20 plus years if I wow. remember correctly I might be getting this wrong I don't have notes on on that but I, I remember it was like it had like a seven thousand percent investment <laughs> return or something. I don't. I don't remember. Well, hey, hopefully our theme park can experience similar returns, and you know our investors will be very happy. <laughs> oh yeah, no, exactly. That's see, I, I look for like the price cap for everybody. <laughs> what is it? It's in Gremlins too. Like I don't. Uh, I only see dollar signs. Some people. I I see this cute thing, and I see uh, a little doll with suction cups on right? his hands. Oh my god, this is like a random tangent, but there, but. Gremlins 2 is just a, a totally nuts movie off the wall and the characters are so random. There's a Key and Peel skit where they're like brainstorming ideas for the different gremlins and like each person at the table is saying the most insane, like dumb idea ever. 
and they're all actually in the movie like they're just saying yes to every yeah. single idea that anyone comes up with and they, even though they're most random ideas it's just it's a really funny skit if you're familiar with the movie because it's like oh yeah there is one that does that <laughs> yeah it's like a looney tunes right i love it yeah it is right. it's very looney tunes that's true I think it'd be awesome to be able to um, pay homage to this, you know, kind of the original Universal monster movies and being able to reference them as tropes, but then also giving them their own space to breathe and being able to walk into those old films would be so cool. So many of the sets are so iconic. I'm, I'm just I'm excited to see where this theme park goes. Yeah, like it's it's great because like especially like Universal loves their Universal monster movies to the point of where I think if I'm remembering this correctly, like the new theme park that Universal is making, Epic Universe, is going to have a Universal Classic Monster cool. section. So that's going to be yeah, fun. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it's kind of fun for this show when something's like going to be made in real life. Like the first episode of this show was Nintendo Land, and like that's a real thing. Oh. Um, but it's just kind of cool to see like our take on it before the real thing is is real, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. No, most definitely. Like, I remember me and my friends always speculating about what Galaxy's Edge was going to be like and then stepping into it and being like, oh, I think we should have kept thinking about our cool yeah. ideas. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes your imagination can be better than than real life, kids. Um, <laughs> it's it's really yeah. fun to be able to just brainstorm and not have a budget and not have to worry about uh, safety concerns and, you know, lawsuits, reservations, <laughs> reservations lines, um, all the unfun stuff. Yeah, we can just do the fun parts. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the great part. The fun parts are always the best <laughs> parts. What's your favorite of the classic Universal Monsters? So my favorite is actually Dracula from 1932. Like that's actually my my absolute favorite out of yeah, all. Yeah, that's of them. a really good one. I think Dracula is probably my favorite of them as well. I've definitely seen the most films about Dracula, and I really like Bela Lugosi. I'm a big fan of uh, the movie Ed Wood as well. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. With Martin Landau as Bela His Lugosi, is so amazing. Because I saw Ed Wood before I'd seen any of the black and white Dracula movies, and. So there's several lines from that movie and musical cues that just come. They're just exactly taken from Dracula movies. And I didn't notice that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like Lake, Lake. The Children of the Night. And there's just so many like little references to those early movies, which makes sense because he was kind of, you know, typecast for most of his career after these these films. And so yeah. he's playing, you know, somewhat of a washed up old actor. And so it kind of makes sense that he would be quoting his old movies. Like it's kind of a tragic thing, but it's also really cool because he realizes he was part of, of history. Yeah. Cause there's the part in Ed Wood. Sorry to digress where it's like, they're at the dinner table and they're also dude, say the line, say the line. I never drink wine. wine. <laughs> and I yeah. um, was surprised to see in how many movies they just directly take that quote. Like I never drink wine, which, which was originally said in this, in the 32 uh, picture. Um, but like in Dracula Dead and Loving It, they just directly take that. Like they're like, it's already funny. Let's just do that. <laughs> like, yeah, it is funny. Well, yeah. And the weird thing about Bela Lugosi is, is like when you think of like the stereotypical Igor, um, you don't get it from the original Frankenstein 
uh, with James Wales. And it comes from Bell Lugosi's version of Igor that comes out later on. Actually, in the original Frankenstein, it isn't even Igor. It's actually um, a guy named Fritz, played by Dwight Fry. And he isn't the Igor that you think of because Bell Lugosi played a character called Igor in a later Frankenstein movie that became the iconic one. He's a hunchback. He talks like very stilted and you have like those moments of you know it's weird to think about like he is the most popular hungarian actor of that's all a good time. point so i think it'd be really cool to kind of take some of that original dracula stuff and be able to just almost just walk through the film set like i know that's a pretty boring place to start but i think there's such iconic sets and like they're so big too like especially you know dracula's castle and stuff um I was thinking it might be cool if when the theme park guests come through the like when they're in the entrance area, like maybe there's a little area they can just kind of explore gently. But then like a horse drawn carriage comes up and like, you know, you can get on your horse drawn carriage and that's maybe a way to like get a party by itself. And then you can kind of decide where they're going to go. And so it could be just a way of sort of sorting people into smaller experiences. And then as they're kind of going on this little you know, cart ride, they can decide where they want to go. And then maybe the driver takes them and drops them off at a different uh, horse and carriage because, you know, it's getting close to nighttime. And this, uh, this driver is is superstitious, which seems to always happen at the beginning of a Dracula movie where they have to yeah. make a transfer onto a different horse drawn carriage, um, which I guess in the lore is usually driven by Dracula himself. Like he's his own servant kind of. Um, so it might be just kind of a cool Easter egg to do that. If, all of your actors who are playing the horse-drawn carriage person are—they're actually like the same as the person who's playing Dracula. See, that would be a lot of fun to do. The way that I was thinking about this park should be structured is very similar to kind of like how Main Street USA is, where when you first enter it, it's like just like a straight line. I think it's called a weenie, if I yes. remember correctly. <laughs> Uh, in the middle is like this small little quaint little European village. Like you have like your little shops and stuff. Like you have, I would love to have like like an old timey barber shop or an old timey like so, like saloon type of place. But then like the further you look down, you actually kind of see modeled after this and like Dracula's castle looming in the oh, distance. Man. A little bit like that's like that's where you don't yeah. go. Like that's kind of like what you should model it after. Like you just have like european villagers like even like the the brickwork while you're walking should feel like rough and tumble but as you closer you get to dracula's castle maybe it becomes not dirt but like almost simulates like that roughness towards it where you're leaving civilization to something more by yeah God. and it does seem like in most of these movies in the beginning when there's a horse-drawn carriage ride the the carriage driver is like pretty scared for his life because he's grown up in this kind of small town that's scared of werewolves and, and vampires and stuff and so they're they're riding super fast like the passengers just getting jostled around like crazy and so it yeah. might be i mean that might be an attraction in and of itself is like this quick hurried fearful ride through the woods you know and you can have like the cries of wolves and stuff and the the narrator like the driver is like maybe like gets pretty scared over time and you could make that as comedic as you want to like it could be jungle cruise ish if you want it to be like pretty funny yeah. as he's like giving you um like a tour and like telling you what's around you in nature and stuff. But then he starts getting really scared and frantic towards the end. Like, mm -hmm. and he just like, you know, pulls off into this village, like as a safe place and dumps you out and flees. That would be a lot of fun to do, especially like if you have it structured either as like kind of like how they have the vehicles on main street a little bit, like that's just one thing you can do, or it's like a little attraction off to the side, kind of like for, you know, like not, I want to say toddlers, but like, for like the the smaller child who can't really get on like the super like 
you know, e-ticket type of rides. Like that would be so much fun to have like kind of like that horse and buggy ride or horse and carriage ride where you have that. And the, the person's maybe giving like either deadpan or like just black comedy yeah. type of stuff, like kind of what they do in Jungle Cruise like sometimes. Like someone yells werewolf and then he's like, they're wolf. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Young Frankenstein is the source of a few jokes. Like that movie is weirdly not very funny. Like there's... There's like 15 <laughs> jokes in the whole movie and the rest of it's just a, a basically a, you know, kind of a sequel to a Frankenstein movie. It's kind of weird. It's it's an, enge- you know, enjoyable movie to watch, but like it's not that hilarious. It's it's maybe Mel Brooks least comedic picture, I'd say. But yet it's his most memorable. Like people always talk about it in the canon. Like, I love that movie, but also I love it because it's like the charm of like trying to recreate one of these old type of like Dracula movies. Right. And Gene Wilder is so good. He's amazing in that. I think it was his favorite movie he ever worked on. And I think it was Mel Brooks' favorite movie he ever worked on. Or no, I think he said it was his best movie, but not his favorite. Like <laughs> he likes the movies that aren't as good, but are funnier. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And there is exactly. kind of an interesting uh, connection between horror and comedy for me. Like I think, your emotions are so heightened that you're so ready to laugh and like not be scared anymore that when a joke comes in, it really gets you good. Well, no, that's the exact same thing. It was like in, in the original Dracula from 1931, I think I said 1932 originally, I apologize is uh, when uh, Dwight Fry is in the ship and he's like laughing his head off. Cause he's gone mad. Like just, just having like that type of like aesthetic. Oh man, I just love on the PA system. Just, like when you're in the European village, it's almost like Oktoberfest. You just have like polka music <laughs> playing. But like as you get closer towards the castle, it becomes more like ambient, like crows cawing or wolves howling in the distance. Like it just becomes less cheery. I would love That's that. That's great. Too. Yeah, I'm really I'm picturing the village from um, Brides of Dracula, which just it fleshes out the village a little bit more in the villagers. And I think it'd be really cool to just have like a nice village that's you know european and inspired kind of transylvania area like uh somewhat period historic place you can kind of explore and like you can have hotels there and restaurants and it's kind of a nice safe place you know i don't think there's many you know attacks or vampires or werewolves that happen in that village so it's kind of like main street usa you're not going to get mauled to death in there um it's (laughs) a safe space (laughs) i i I hope you don't get mauled to death (laughs) we don't report those when they do happen but um when uh (laughs) But then if you if you venture out into the darkness and into the woods, you know, you're you're ready for an adventure and and a lot more, um, you know, bad guys to come get you. Yeah, no, totally. I totally agree with you when it comes to that spot. Like if we're on like Main Street, I guess, spooky USA (laughs) or I'd call it maybe like Arafu because I'm thinking like because that's from Fallout 3. But I just like that name because I think it's a Dracula reference if I'm remembering it correctly. Who knew a vampire mission has has a vampire reference but uh like having like i I can't remember what theme park i went to but it was in vicksburg where they have a a 24-hour like Oktoberfest that happens and like i just just have like a moment where like one of the attractions is just you go when you listen to polka music you have like a lot of fun but the more you venture out into like the unknown reaches you don't know what you're going to expect so maybe even you know what i would actually like a lot more no one's able to have a map like they're able to know where the rides are like they have it on those old posts like it tells you like which direction, but they don't they don't have like an actual map of like the location. I like really. that. That's that really cool. Fun. And maybe they're they're pretty close, like close enough to where you can see the lights of the next attraction. By the way, I think this whole place should just be set in at nighttime. <laughs> it's a nighttime only theme park, maybe. Yeah. Or, or it's indoors, maybe, and it just looks like you're outside, but at night. I don't know. We'll figure that out. 
that would that would be a lot of fun. There are some crazy ideas. Like I remember this one concept that I was reading like a couple of years ago was before they got Star Wars Land, Disney wanted to make like a Wizard of Oz ride or a Wizard of Oz Land where Dis- uh, Galaxy's Edge was going to be. And like, like one of the Blue Sky concepts that they had was like, when you first enter the land, it was going to be like sepia. Wow. But once you get on the ride, like you would enter in like a new area, which would all be in color. You're technically in the land of Oz. It was going to be one of the cool things like that. Something like that, where like it starts off as like a black and white yes. movie as you transition more into color would be a lot of fun too. I was just going to say that. that Yeah, that'd be really cool if, if maybe the theme park starts out with everything in grayscale and the actors are have grayscale, like, you know, skin paint on. Wow. Okay, that's really cool. I like that a lot. And then maybe as you get, as you go inside or like, you know, you get into the village, things are in color and it's, there's warmth and there's fire and like you feel a lot more safe, but out in the wilderness, things are a lot darker and creepier and that's awesome. I also really like the idea of, of if um from the village you want to go somewhere else you want to go to the docks or or you know the next location you can see the lights there but you do have to go down a road that's in darkness and maybe there are things that jump out and scare you and maybe they're not and maybe they only do that sometimes but you have that like tension of i don't know if something's gonna get me and like chase me if i don't know if there's actors out here it's like pitch black you can't see but you just know where you're headed so i think that'd be so fun and so like intense so you know you're grabbing onto people in your party like trying to stay like protected and everything but you have no clue what's out there in the darkness i think that'd be so thrilling that would be like really cool i think it would be interesting as well as like to have some light would be like you have like little like old-timey like torches almost not you don't hold yeah. them but like you have them like those like lamp posts i always think of like narnia that are placed out but like instead of having scare actors i think it'd be interesting to have like like a sound system where like you hear things rustling or maybe you have like animatronic like the the leaves move or something and you don't know what's in the bushes like you can see like led eyes of like wolves or something would be so much fun you just give like, that atmosphere. you could blow those lights out too like if you need to on cue they can just flicker off and then you're like oh shoot like that could be a really intense moment if you're like well at least you know it's creepy out there but at least we have this you know trail of of lanterns and then they start going out one at a time or whatever like that could be so fun that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> That'd be cool. And um, there's generally a, you know, the story of Dracula is the story of him buying a bunch of real estate and and traveling <laughs> over, um, you know, in a, in a ship, like a long ship journey, either on like the Vesta or the Demeter. But I think it'd be cool to have just kind of another like rough seas experience. Like um, I like any kind of old timey ship, like pirate ship looking attraction. Um, and that could be oh, a ride yeah. or it could be like, maybe even an escape room where you're on the ship with, you know, Dracula is in this coffin and like, you're trying to like, I don't know. So solve some kind of puzzle to get out of that room where he is. Cause you know, he's going to wake up soon. Um, you know, we, you could set up the, the system of why you only have one hour, or why he's going to wake up in an hour or whatever. But I just think the, the scenes set on the ships are always really cool and evocative. And almost mm-hmm. always by the time the ship arrives, all the, pa- all the passengers are dead, like all the crew. And it's just like an empty like ghost ship pulling in to port. And then they like, well, like, there's just a bunch of boxes on here and they unload them and, you know, Dracula's in one of those. Like, it's it's pretty wild. That's a, a trope that's scary. That would be really cool. Maybe if they had like almost like, I'm, I like using Disneyland because it's for me, it's just easier. Really? But it's like you have almost like a Rivers of America where like you have like a ship ride where it's like, you know, you go around like the little lake. But if you go below deck, that's like a ticketed event where it's oh, the escape cool. room. Oh, cool. That's really good. But like you have it both as transportation, but at the same time, 
it's an escape room. It's like, you know, that would be like a reservation thing. We have to solve the puzzle in maybe like 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever you need to get as many yeah, guests Yeah, that'd be through. cool too. And then you have like the regular ship that would go right. around. And I don't know how you would set it up, but it would just be really like eerie if, you know, at a certain point in the attraction, all the crew members just like play dead. Like, you know, you you go through like a moment where there's like a thunderstorm and then it's black for a second. And then like the, the thunder resumes again, or you get close enough to town to where you can see with the lights and then just the crews are all dead. And you're like, what, what happened? Like everyone's been attacked by Dracula. Oh man. Yeah. That, that'd be awesome. And I love the idea of, of using it as, as just like kind of a ride that anyone can do, but there's also like a more premium experience below deck or maybe a more intense experience that not yeah. everyone would want to do. But yeah, I like that. I like yeah. giving options like that. That's great. Because that would be like an interesting option because I know like the Columbia, it doesn't, they don't do like a ticketed event, but you go down there and they actually give like a little tour and stuff. But then there's people that like, you know, go around on the ship and stuff. But having something like this would also add to like the realism, like, oh, you're on this adventure and then you go below deck and it's like an actual horror story almost. Whereas you're still having like the rocking of the boat. You still have like that ambience of I'm, I'm, I'm on the middle of the water and I can't get yeah. out of here until I figure out how to get out of here. property that dracula has purchased is next door to like a sanitarium type thing he's bought an abbey um and the sanitarium is is generally plays you know a part in the story um where it's just old-timey practices of taking care of people who have you know various issues that need need assistance in these really you know cruel like barbaric ways um but i think that would be a really creepy uh experience as well like you know it's a good haunted house theme it would be interesting if they had like a 365, you know, year round like scare or haunt that they do like kind of like what The Walking Dead does at Universal where they have like a mini maze that goes on all year. Which I think they're getting rid of. I mean, it's as if like theme parks are open right now. Uh, but like I think they're, they're, they're getting rid of that. But they'll be fun to have something like that. Like you go through like the sanitarium almost and like people have been infected by uh dracula or maybe like dracula has brought in, in some new friends that come in and that's what yeah and people. you can even have some of the experiments of dr frankenstein like this could be a place to put all of the uh various you know universal monsters could kind of all appear here because through a certain lens you could see a lot of them as not being you know correct members of society quote unquote like they're they're very minority very unusual specimens so a lot of them i could see being brought here you know the the wolf man when he's in human form might go here as a way of protecting everyone else like you know he's often looking for a jail cell so that could be kind of a cool place to either put easter eggs or like direct references or have like a crossover of a lot of the different kind of areas that might be designated towards different universal monsters so like for me like when i was thinking of this park it was almost like a kid in a candy <laughs> store i was thinking about how we can incorporate like all of them and I feel like if we have it like in this mystical land, almost like it's just everyone has the public perceptions in like Transylvania or you set it in a place kind of like in Galaxy's Edge where it's like Batu, where it's like this like fictitious, maybe European country that all these people have ended up in where it's like Dracula is hiding from Van Helsing and you have like, oh, Dracula's castle is like right next to like Frankenstein's like watchtower or something that's like, you know, his lab. 
and you have like the, these moments where like if you go to, too close to the lake, you might be getting close to what the, you know, make up like European language or like have like a European language to say Black Lagoon or cool. something. And you have like these, you know, these little tropes you can do, especially like there's like an area. Like for me, I love having like the wilderness adventure area where it's like kids play park for kids where it's like that's what, like the woods for like the wolf man or something like you have like those moments where like you have like that interactivity but also you try to incorporate them in like a very like diegetic yeah. way which i, I love like. that too i think i think play areas are underrated for sure like for kids and for adults but having a, a lot of oh, the, yeah. like, wooded areas you could do like cool you know slides made out of logs and like there's a lot of uh room for play there like with big roots and stuff Oh yeah, no, no, most definitely. Especially like I was thinking about like Creature of the Black Lagoon. We need a water park, like a little kitty yeah. splash zone for me. I like that stuff. Like, trust me, like during the day when it's like a hundred and four, I would jump into like <laughs> some right? water. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah, water parks are always fun. I mean, we'll see how COVID ends up impacting those. It's hard to wear a mask if you're going to get wet, but we'll see. We'll figure it yeah. out. We'll figure out some kind of diegetic system there. But um, yeah, a way of exploring, like maybe theming it, like. I guess this would still be that that area of Transylvania or, you know, made up country in Europe. But you could see why the creature from the Black Lagoon would have been imported there or like would have escaped to there or why there could just be a similar creature over there um, with their own version yeah. of that. And that'd be cool. There's That's a good theme. I really I really do like that. Yeah, like you make it like when it comes to like some of these creatures, you have like maybe things along the park like maybe like documents or you have like i think for maybe for like creature from the black lagoon it's like an airplane that's crashed that's that's like air, amazonian air oh. or something and like you realize like oh they're trying to transport it to like england or someplace and it, you know it crashed and that's why he's in the lake or something along those lines like for me i'm a big sucker of like for inter interactive entertainment like some of the things i love about galaxy's edge is kind of like some of the lore stuff but i would love kind of like the incorporation of like maybe for me, I actually kind of have a strong believer now of like using your smartphones to interact with stories. Like maybe you find like audio logs throughout the park, like through like, you know, those little like scan the code here and you, you get like a new, like, like a newsreel or you get something like, like an audio reel, maybe from like Van Helsing explaining what's been happening in this yeah. town. Like he's, he's come to town. He's trying to figure out you guys are like his only hope of survival or something like you're a part of the adventure that way. That's really cool. And do we want to set this park in like the 1940s or do you want to set it in a modern day setting and just kind of these same things are happening again in 2020? See, I'd like it to keep it almost like the 1940s, but maybe keep it like this, like ambiguous time where like, you're not sure if it's present day or it's like, back then kind of like this old world hospitality where you're not sure i think that's one of the reasons why like the tom cruise mummy movie failed was because like it's like a modern day dumb blockbuster <laughs> movie but the brennan fraser one works is because it has like this timeless adventure movie feel right. to it which is very timeless compared to setting it into a modern day where you already date it by the second it yes. comes out and i do think honestly smartphones are one of the first human inventions that messes up that like where it's inconceivable that any human after you know like 2000 would not have a cell phone visible like it's kind of a sad thing but like it's it's also a tool that we are used to using all the time so you know if yeah. you look at you know any movie before like the 90s it's like this could I mean, it's that the time looks more similar. The humans kind of match more than they do now. So the, the smartphones would be the only thing we'd have to like explain. But I don't know. We could 
Oh, no, you just say it's like Dr. Frankenstein created these communication <laughs> devices. That's easy. His, his descendants started like all the major cell phone brands and started Apple. And yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, <laughs> yeah, it no, would exactly. make a lot of sense, I think, if you're following along Dr. Van Helsing. Like he is such a, uh, he has such a diverse background. Like it would, and, and I don't know, he's such a fascinating character. Um, it would just be cool to kind of follow along in his footsteps or maybe try to gather clues for him. Like if there's an actor portraying him and, you know, you're like his assistants, like um, I'm thinking of uh, there's a scene in Dracula dead and loving it where like, he's uh, doing like a, he's dissecting a body and like all of the students are watching it. Oh, yeah. And start like passing out one at a time as they get grossed out. And then eventually they're just all unconscious on the floor by the time he's done. Um, but like basically he's, you know, he's a, a professor of medicine. So it, it would make sense conceivably if we're like a class of his students in a way. And then like this crazy stuff starts happening and, you know, maybe he gets kidnapped or he gets killed even. And we have to kind of figure out how to, how to escape, or we have to split up to go tackle these different villains, these different monsters. Um, I think that could be a really cool storytelling device, like setting that up as yeah. a, you know, maybe a tutorial area where you're figuring out how to, how to use the clues and the, the smartphones and like what the kind of system is like and what the rules are. And then the story can kind of kick into high gear from there. I think that's a great way to start it out. Yeah. They're like, it, well, yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like there's always been like a contention, especially like when you set theme park, like they're supposed to be, this is going to sound weird to a lot of people, but theme parks, like when you go into like theme lands are supposed to have like, when are they set? Like a good example of this is when do you think um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is supposed to take place? Wow. You know? um, I would guess like 2003 or something. No, it's supposed to take place during the Triwizard Tournament. So the fourth book, Harry Potter. Huh. Because that's before like all the crazy like Death Eater right. stuff starts, starts to happen. So they have like this in-between time where it's like things are still whimsical and magical, but dark things are about to happen. Like that's the weird thing. Like you ask people... Like, uh, you ask them and they, they'll tell you like especially with like a galaxy's edge like it's a very ambiguous time where it's supposed to be it's obviously during the new sequel trilogy but it's like well we don't really know like you ask someone they'll give you answers and questions but i think having like that like ambiguous nature of it where you know you have the person that's trying to like pry answers like you have them like oh you know we just live in town uh that castle no one goes there uh, no one goes really to the lake anymore or the woods are haunted, like those type of like superstitious things. And you have like everyone kind of like having like that believable setting of having it in like the 1930s or having it like, like in a very ambiguous time where you still have like technology. Like I think like when you're a guest, it's okay to have like technology and stuff. But like when you're like in the themed land itself, I think that's when the technology should be very like retro and kind of like that's what gives that feeling. Like you can have your cell phone, but that's because you are technically not a part of it you're walking through this land almost like a fly on the wall where for me i love interactive stories mm -hmm. like that i really wish more theme parks would incorporate like oh like if you like it's almost like a scavenger hunt where you like you you click a code or something and you get like an audio log or stuff that's why i love games like bioshock yes. where like you can like just listen to what the heck has happened like all the events have technically occurred and this is the aftermath almost like you're trying to pick up. Right. And it allows for a really unique form of storytelling. That's much less linear and like where you can easily miss yeah. so much of the content. But if you're kind of a nerd about it or, you know, you really like this one character, you can try to find all of the little collectibles that give you more of the story. Exactly. I love that. And you can do a lot of references to the movies or like play audio clips from the movies. 
um, which would be really cool. And even in this world where we're doing like a mashup, like they've been crossing over into each other's movies since 1943's Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Like it's been part of the tradition since very early on. Like a lot of these early original actors were in the same movies with each other. It's so cool. Like I, I thought that was a, a later trope, but it's been baked in from the beginning. It's ironic to think like the, the term cinematic universe uh, started with like the Avengers movies, but it started with like these universal monster movies, but yet universal tried doing that and failed miserably yeah. doing it again. Like I like the idea of them <laughs> doing a more modern, you know, reboot. I have a dark universe hat somewhere <laughs> like, uh, like somewhere in my collection, because I I got one, and I'm just like this. This is like one of my prized possessions, because like the what if scenario. Right. And do you know more about that? Like, can you tell our audience more about the the dark universe uh, failure? Yeah. So the dark universe was uh, kind of like we're gonna do our own cinematic universe. How like there's the monster verse for like Godzilla and King Kong. There's obviously the Marvel cinematic universe. The dceu i think they don't want to call it a cinematic universe like you know these shared universes well universal wanted to get on this trend they made the mummy with tom cruise which um i saw in theaters was pretty bad and it flopped so bad that they killed the thing where they already had like people already signed up like they had like javier bardem to be frankenstein's monster i think angelina jolie was going to be the bride of frankenstein like they were going to make a lot of these movies they already had them all planned out like good example of this is Johnny Depp was going to be the Invisible Man before they made the Lee Wannell version, which is different. And now Lee Wannell is also making a Wolfman movie. <laughs> oh, but... He's a real Lon Chaney, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's a real Lon Chaney. I, I like Lee Wannell's direction and stuff. But you, you have that like that shared universe thing. It's always been there, so it wouldn't be out of the normal to have like Dracula and Frankenstein like interacting compared to like Optimus Prime hanging out with a Velociraptor <laughs> down in the back lot of Universal right. Studios. No, very true. Actually, no, I guess there's Beast Wars, so you could say the Velociraptor's a Decepticon hey, or something. Yeah, you I can don't do know. A, there's, I'm, Transformers is pretty good at matching up with itself, I think. But yeah, yeah. no, you're right. And I really liked uh, Dracula Untold. I thought it was a really cool movie. Oh, I forgot all about <laughs> Dracula Untold. Oh my god. <laughs> Because that was supposed to be the original, like, this is the start of it, but it did really bad. So, no, we're going to do The Mummy, and then that was bad. Like, well, I guess yeah, we're done now. It's kind of rough, kind of unfortunate. There's plenty of, of audio clips of these creatures, you know, connecting to each other and plenty of storylines to either reference or just directly like, you know, sample the audio from for these kind of audio logs for exploring the areas where they match up and mash up. I think that'd be that'd be really cool because they're so unique solo. And also, I think it might be kind of cool to make some of that a little bit customizable. Like if you've been through, you know, like, let's say the mummy area and like maybe you've collected some some artifacts or whatever, you have some kind of allegiance to that character you can almost treat it like it's different factions or something where you, um, you know, have a connection with one of these different universal monsters. And then once you've been to this one area, if you bring that, you know, essence into a different part of the park, then you get more of the crossovers between those two characters. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, might be too complicated or too much, but it'd be kind of cool to be able to customize your experience a little bit more and go to the monsters that you're really into and then see them 
interact with each other because of the path that you took instead of they're going to do that every day at at 4 p.m and noon anyway um you know it, it only happened because you and your party went and completed that quest and then went to this area see that would be a really interesting idea especially again if we're going to do like the integration of like you know, I call it like smart theme yeah. park technology where you can do stuff like that, especially like if all the story elements of it are like focused. Let's say you go to like the creature of the Black Lagoon area and you're looking for that stuff like your phone starts pinging. I guess you'd have to have like the universal app or whatever app you would have to have to go with the ride would start like noticing. Oh, you're you're focusing more on this creature and you're like really looking into it. Maybe we'll try to cater your experience possibly more towards like what happened and how the, the creature got loose. and how maybe, you know, there's more clues if you find out, oh, the creature went all the way to Frankenstein's, you know, watchtower. You have to, like, go all the way over there and you try to find new clues, maybe, because you're just clicking codes and you just have the app that way. It could just change it that all the all the codes change a little bit to cater towards that experience a little and, bit. And that could also be a way of um, breaking up the groups so that there's not too many part guests in one area at one time is, like, you go to kind of the quest giver to use, you know, video game parlance. Uh, you go there and they they assign you to go to a different quest, you know, in sequence. So it's not like everyone's getting sent to the same place from where they left. Uh, you get kind of shuffled. I have like a really funny story about this. So I was working at Disneyland right when um, Pokemon oh, Go man. came out. So like back when like people like, because Disneyland's like, if you, secret tip everybody, if you play Pokemon Go, go to Disneyland. There's like Pokestops and everything. But I remember like people at the castle just on their phones playing Pokemon Go. And I remember someone shouting like a, like a really rare Pokemon. Like, oh my God, it's in Fantasyland. And all these people started to get up and slowly start to move towards Fantasyland. And they completely like emptied out the castle wow. area. Like there's, it's like things like that happens a lot. Like interesting, easily. yeah. And that would be a way of of controlling uh, lines, or or if a ride breaks down, we can just send a notification to everyone's phone. Like, you know, go to these, like, send notifications to send them to every other corner of the park, so that you can do your ride maintenance and no one will even know. It would be like we're sorry, but there's lightning in the area, <laughs> and unfortunately, Doctor Frankenstein is doing his experiments. We can't have people <laughs> over in this direction. Like they could do. It's kind of kind of goofy, or like I don't know. You could have um like traffic cone type things, but they look like that blue fire from from Dracula. I know it's in the novel and in the uh, Bram Stoker's oh, Dracula. Yeah. Like I guess that was uh, supposed to be like a scary thing. Like there's this blue fiery looking portal thing in the road like we could just have a bunch of like clear plastic blue fire looking things that you use as like cones to say hey don't go in this area uh <laughs> yeah that would be a lot of fun like i love dumb gimmicky things like that especially at theme parks you have like responses like that it's like oh wh why can't we go this way unfortunately you know the wolfman's uh you know getting groomed right now <laughs> and you know Hair everywhere. I always love the idea of giving the uh, park employees more agency to play and like more, you know, different ways oh, yeah. they can take the story or the way they can they can flavor this kind of mundane thing they have to do. Like, I think making the mundane as magical as possible or as as diegetic as possible really makes working there a lot more fun. And that also makes being a park guest there a lot more fun because you can see that everyone around you is really getting into it. I, I think that adds a lot of a lot of whimsy and fun. Oh yeah, no, most definitely. Like there were parts where, like, I remember. <laughs> this is just how my brain works. It's because, like, I got my degree in like theater, so I know exactly. Like, this is just how my brain works. But like, when I worked on Main Street, I would talk a certain <laughs> way. But like, when I like would 
sometimes have to go to Frontierland, I would be like, "Oh boy, howdy, how do you do?" <laughs> like I would like start to have like like Western vernacular, even though I didn't need to have it <laughs> sometimes. Like, and I was doing it like subconsciously until someone brought it up to me. <laughs> That's great. Also, I like in Bram Stoker's Dracula that there's like a random cowboy character. Like, it's just it's random, but it's really fun to just have like a cowboy character is such a fun like archetype, and so the fact that i think it's in the original novel like there's oh yeah there's an american cowboy here like it feels like a almost like a, a trope you see in anime where it's like oh yeah and americans are cowboys um that that's kind of the case in dracula too see my favorite trip when it comes to anime stuff is like try to spot the main character and they have a good bunch of normal people and you have the one person with crazy yeah, who hair has the unique silhouette that that uh, we can use on our merchandise <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly that's great yeah I, I was watching a show yesterday dr stone i'm a huge fan of it by the way i would definitely recommend it um and then there's like this new character all of a sudden in this village i've been seeing for a long time like i've seen all the characters in this village but there's just this dude with like pretty unique hair and i'm like that hair could be on merchandise who is this guy like who's when's he gonna join the story and it still hasn't happened yet and i'm like maybe <laughs> they just made a cool new character just to throw everyone off and be like hey look at the cool hair guy well, speaking of like anime stuff, if we look at anime, like a good example of like universal stuff is Soul Eater. Yeah. Like that is all prime universal monster. That, that was strictly inspired right? by and, it. Wow, that's a different aesthetic. If we want to have a, a, an area or maybe like a certain events that are that are themed like these different franchises that are inspired by universal, like that'd be really cool. I thought of one which would be kind of like, for me, I, I like parades mm -hmm. too, where it's like, the one event that you would have was kind of inspired by at Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, they used to have this thing called the Hollows. I'm not sure if it's going to be there anymore, but it's um, it was like kind of like it was inspired by like the Salem witch trials. It was like a little scare zone, and they would sometimes have like a witch burning or they'd have like a, a witch trial. And I would love to have something kind of like that where like 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 obviously like actors come out and they're like getting up to be like the old timey mob with like pitchforks and torches. And they try to like chase down like Frankenstein's monster as it's coming to the village that people have to like watch as this is happening. Like you have like the angry mob mob aesthetic. I would love that's that. very cool. And the angry mob is it could could be a storytelling device, uh, you know, with almost any of these monsters. Like the general public, like the scared, uh, you know, people of the village who are just normal humans would be scared of all these monsters. So if the story called for it, you could have a big angry mob like full time, just kind of going from one land to the next land to chase the monster out. I think that works. That would be a lot of fun to do. And then you have maybe like, cause I like walk around characters. Maybe you have like the vampire hunter or you have kind of like the, the brave explorer. You have like the Jonathan Harker type yeah. of person that comes through and you have them as like meet and greet characters. Obviously you'd have like Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the creature from the black lagoon as like, you know take a photo op with him because i i know i'll be in line for that because i love that no i think that's stuff. great and and maybe you know by completing different different quests or going you know doing different attractions you can do basically a favor for for dr frankenstein and then you get to a point where you're kind of on his side a little bit and maybe you get to see like his private study or like you know you get to go to some of the more uh exclusive areas that not everyone gets to see i think that'd be that'd be super cool oh yeah yeah, for me, it would be, like, maybe, like, you get, like, a special reservation if you want to to, like, some of, like, the dining areas or, like, because for me, like, if I have, like, a, an option to, like, do games and stuff to, like, actually, like, get, like, a reservation rather than just, like, praying, like, 12 months in advance, I'd totally do it. Like, I'll sweep up trash for, like, No, yeah, that's weeks. a great point. Like, instead <laughs> of just, 
you get more points and more you know widgets on this app it's like no that you can actually use these for exclusive experiences that you can't even use money for like that'd be so cool yeah If there's a hotel that's set up like Dr. Stewart's um, house, like his residence area in the sanitarium, those could be like more premium rooms that are only available to people who unlock certain things. Or like you could stay in like Mina's room where there's like Wolfbane everywhere. Like there's just some really cool, unique experiences where in the storyline, there would only be one example of that room. So like it doesn't make sense to copy and paste it a thousand times to make a hotel, but it can be a room that one person, you know, one party can stay in every night. Um, and you can give that kind of stuff away, like in a lottery system through the app or like top winners in the app, like that kind of stuff would be pretty cool. See, that would be a lot of fun, especially like I like it more as I a agree. lottery system, because if you have the ability to like rack up points, like you should be able to get like small things. But if you're doing it like, oh, if you get like 10,000 points, you're going to have the problem of like, like annual pass holders or people that would constantly come into the park or ask people to sign in on their app like get their points for them so they could just go there which is something that i know people would possibly oh for do. sure and then then you're on your phone the whole time instead of just occasionally yeah. like so that's a good point it should just be um to enhance your experience not to distract from it well no i think like if you have a lottery system i'd rather give it to like a, a person like a kid that has like a frankenstein shirt <laughs> than a guy named chuck that's retired and like he just loves going to Disneyland Dude. all day or he left going to the I park. I think that'd be day. really cool. And maybe as a park employee, you have, you know, some kind of little RFID thing on you where if you see like someone who's being just like a really good sport or like really in character, you can like hit your special button and it gives them a ton of bonus points. And so like, I so think that'd, that'd be, be so fun because I don't know. I love that. Like, you know, when I was working in retail or whatever, you would just see like a really sweet moment where someone was a genuinely good person. And you're just like, I want to give them something like, what can I do here? How can I make this person like, you know, reward them for, for being such a good person. Like my favorite story ever at Disneyland was a couple years ago. I think it might've been 2017. I was working on main street and I remember this little girl grabbed me by the hand and like, she put me in like a circle with a bunch of other cast members <laughs> and like we're literally sitting in like main street usa like on the railroad tracks uh and pretty much we're well, not railroad tracks but i guess the uh what are they called uh the, the trolley tracks railroad tracks would be a <laughs> completely different thing. that's like a haunted mansion experience uh but we started playing like duck duck goose wow. and like that was like for me that was like the most <laughs> magical experience ever because this girl was just having so much fun like it, it brings tears to my eyes Dude, sometimes when i think about that's it so sweet. that's like the most purest thing i've ever seen in my life and you can do something like that like obviously you could have like the oh man it'll get real dark real quick you have like the universal experience with like frankenstein the little <laughs> almost where you have that type of meet and greet oh my god <laughs> yeah that's great in <laughs> young frankenstein wait yeah yeah where frankenstein's monster Oh, we're out of daisies. What are we throwing <laughs> right. next? And he throws her back into her bedroom and she just goes flying across. It's so funny because like I'm watching this, you know, next to my wife and she hasn't seen a lot of the original like source material that they're kind of spoofing. And I'm like, oh my God, where's this going? Because because he like says out loud, like, oh, we're, we're out of flowers. What do we throw next? Oh man, so good. The funny thing is, is like, oh, well, not funny thing, but like they actually edited that scene in the original Frankenstein because they didn't want to show the right. girl drowning. 
and they literally cut to the next scene where the the man is holding his daughter like limply. It's like this is a worse edit than just keeping her looking like she accidentally drowned. Like maybe having something like that, like Frankenstein's like inherently good to like younger little like not girls but like children or like he's like friends of the children and you have like all those characteristics and stuff. Like I I would I think it would probably like be safer or easier if we had an area that was like for kids, you know, where it was like daytime and like the monsters are there, but they're more like the uh kind of serial mascot version of themselves where they're they're a little bit more count chocula and maybe less count dracula and like uh less bloodthirsty and like more there to sign autographs and stuff but because that'd be really cool too to see those those versions of just like the happy smiling versions of these guys i'm just imagining for like the first thought that i thought in my brain is the meet and greet area you just have the count (laughs) that works yeah just do the uh you know the the muppet version of everybody i know he's a sesame street character I mean, it's all, it's all Jim Henson stuff at that point. They're still, I think, they're just still lovable puppets. For me, I'm always a big proponent of having, like, that kid area, especially during a Halloween event and stuff where kids easily get scared. Like, I'd like a safe space. Not safe, I guess safe space would be the best word to use for that, where it's, like, you're not going to be scared or, like, spooked in that way where it's just calm and gentle, maybe, like, you you have like little fun games like oh you know pin the pin the tail on the werewolf or something yeah there's so many fun like kid attractions you can do there like i mean a lot of uh playgrounds and stuff are kind of themed to be like nature anyway so those can just kind of be the woods and then you can have some that are themed like castles and that's where you know frankenstein's monster and dracula are like running around doing like goofy experiments and this could be kind of like an abbott and costello type area like that's a relatively family friendly area the abbott and costello meet frankenstein although you get um a lot of the monsters in there even the invisible man at the very end you don't get gilman though what are you talking about the invisible man is everywhere (laughs) oh yeah he's he's everywhere oh my god that's great we should just have floating glasses like on fishing hooks or fish string what do you call that stuff fish string i obviously am not a fisherman uh no that's that's hilarious or you know wait maybe that could connect somehow with the audio logs is it's it's the invisible man telling you about what you're looking at like that's how you explain the smartphone is it's like a a controller for the invisible man that'd be that'd be fun or i think it would almost be like kind of like the wand stuff at like the wizarding world where like he'll interact with stuff randomly and you're just, you're just your audio over the PA. Ooh, I'm the invisible man. Like, it's almost like yeah, a joke. You could do it as like some kind of goofy, like really low budget stuff. Um, but also, I mean, it could be kind of cool if you did some, some things where like through visual trickery, you know, you cast the shadows or something like that. You could, I guess he doesn't have a shadow, does he? But I feel like a, a more modern depiction of him would use shadows as a way of saying there's something here. That could be a cool uh, visual reference or like, you know, you see uh this shadow like climbing up a wall or like going over to to some point where they can trigger something to change in the room and if you're you have a keen eye you can see that the invisible man did it it'd be cool like you have like because i think of like the very easiest special effect you could do is kind of like you have like a snowy field or you have something that's very like like maybe even mud where like you see like footprints coming through because it's like you just have things that are coming from the floor like it's a false floor so you have like you see like footprints coming through like the water and stuff yeah i mean cool. just like inverted buttons that are shaped like footprints basically stuck out of the mud yeah. dude that is really cool i love that i gotta use my theater degree which is completely null and void at this point until no it, you're, you're doing a lot of service to our theme park here like for sure like good Good stage design and, and set design makes a huge difference here. And, and lighting, like 
all that stuff. Music, timing makes a big difference in theme parks for sure. Could be cool too if you if you uh, make a connection with the Universal Monsters if they have kind of like a, or maybe this is just a behind the scenes area like there's maybe a movie production studio like part of the theme park you can get to where you learn about kind of the behind the scenes stuff. I just think it'd be so cool to have some areas where you can like get your picture taken in like iconic locations or maybe like looking into the camera with like those lights shining right in your eyes like like Bella Lugosi like recreating some really famous like close-ups but with you in it so you know you can put it on social media or whatever i think that could be so cool it would be fun to have like a museum like that maybe like kind of like incorporate the mummy like here are some universal artifacts or here are like prop replicas of certain things and you have like that moment and you just have off in the distance you see in like his sarcophagus you see the mummy where he doesn't really move but it's just like this is where you like learn the history of these movies and the art of making these movies. Cause that's something that's kind of like gone by the Dodo a little bit is like, that's what I love about universal is they'll have like their movie effect shows and stuff, but they don't do that as much anymore. But I'd love if they kind of brought that back for certain things of the aesthetic of like making movies. Cause that's why I love universal as a kid was it's all about making the movies. You're in a movie. Now it's just, I look at a 3d screen all day and get ahead. Yeah. I love that stuff too. And I do feel like maybe initially, there was less of a demand because those nerds who love that stuff are just watching the special features on DVDs and Blu-rays. But now with streaming, it can be hard to find some of that stuff. Yeah. So maybe it'll come back. It makes me mad because I love Disney plus, but they don't have <sighs> any of the special features for any of their movies. Yeah. The documentaries. Good documentaries. There's some special features. Like if you, you know, go to the show and click down and then go right from the episodes. Like sometimes there's some stuff in there, but it's usually just trailers and stuff. But yeah, it's mostly that, but it's never like the right. making of or like some of those original. Like, I would love if they have any of the Star Wars stuff. I'm sure it's probably rights reasons, but like all those making of for like Star Wars and stuff that they don't have and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm with that. you. Um, it could be cool. Maybe that area uh, that you were talking about with like the mummy and stuff could be the uh, shop of curiosities or whatever that's from Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Like, that'd be cool oh, too yeah, and, be and i don't know if maybe you could have some areas where like if you're familiar with the film and you recognize something that's actually in the movie that's one of the areas where you go scan your little code or whatever so you could have like kind of easter eggs for people who are really familiar with the films if they see an iconic object they can go over and, and that's one of the little easter egg things that they can scan and get you know whatever goodies for no no most definitely i think that would be a fun thing to do especially like those like little touches that you can add like there's so many things like a good example this is i would love if like you're walking through a shop and you see the wolf head cane from the wolfman like something like that like it's just like little things off in the distance obviously the wolfman uh cane would be sold at your of course, gift shop of course. Of course. That, a replica <laughs> Yeah, I exactly. Think it, it's really weird in in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Uh, Dracula has like this ring that like can shoot electricity, and that's how he awakens the monster. And so maybe you can find that ring, and then that's like an artifact that's useful in other parts of the park when you need electricity to, you know, like start a fire in the village or uh, resurrect the monster or like various places throughout the park. Like that could be like a key item, like in Legend of Zelda. Like if you find that thing, it can be really useful and unlock different areas. But if you don't find it, you're not going to be you're not going to know what you're missing.
Oh, another one would be a lot of fun. Like in one of the shops, you see a crate that says, it's very, looks like a casket, but it says Alucard on cool. it. <laughs> like, huh. And you look in the mirror, it says Jack. <laughs> oh my God. Man, that's good. But then again, you could also tie into, this could be like when it's Castlevania month, you know, that's where like you've unlocked the Alucard, Alucard uh, storyline. See, that would be fun to do, especially like maybe like, seasonal events kind of like during the winter you have different themes kind of like within the stories or you have during halloween maybe it's during like all hollows eve or something where it's like dracula has this evil plan but it requires you know to be during halloween time or i don't even know what they would i think the funny thing is what they should do for halloween events is just be like normal you should just have everyone just very normal <laughs> it's business have... casual it's like the exact opposite I think of we scary. Should be closed on halloween <laughs> yeah oh yeah it's the one day instead of christmas yeah. <laughs> you're close right, to halloween. right it's it's halloween 364 days a year Yeah, there's so many different storylines and like these stories have been told so many times that there's so many different ways you can take the plot line. And like even someone who's a super fan who uncovers a passageway into Dr. Frankenstein's castle, like there's so many different ways you can take the story from there. Like like where even a diehard fan might not quite know what's going to be around the corner. Like, is it going to be a reference to this movie or that movie or that movie or something totally new and original? And just mixing that up, I think, uh, would be really cool. And maybe seasonally switching that around a little bit where this this uh, chamber used to contain the wolfman and now it contains you know the son of dracula or it contains the brides of dracula or whatever like there's something else behind door number three you know every time you return to the park and so just keep mixing things up because it doesn't necessarily matter all that much like you're not going to ruin the illusion if the creature from the black lagoon is is in, in the swamps around you know the area where the wolfman wolfman is found like those things all play so nicely together that shuffling the deck pretty often would be really fun i think and allow for some kind of new almost emergent type like storytelling yeah especially with like because it's a very shared universe that's always been organic like there isn't going to be an issue of like seeing the creature from the black lagoon just like walking out and like interacting compared to like seeing like a cowboy going into like Tomorrowland, I guess you just play say it's Toy Story at that point. But uh, <laughs> that's smart. But at that point, like you, you it, it's more organic that way. Especially like there's always like the the ability to like, especially with, like seasonal events. Like you just change a room out. Like you just have it set that way. Like this is like oh uh, during Halloween this becomes something different. I know like uh, when they opened up Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout at California Adventure, one of the things is like, oh, you should come back to the queue because we're always going to be changing things out and adding new things to the collection, which they did for a while, but then they mm -hmm. stopped. Uh, where they would add like new artifacts and little clues that would add towards the lore to Guardians and like, oh, what is this? This is this is like a thing from a movie that might be coming up soon. So Who knows? Cool. There's things that you could do like that, which and I and it'd like. be cool too as as a you know content creator here as one of the writers to be able to just remix and shuffle and change this stuff and then play it out, you know, see how it does and see how the part guests like it. And um, yeah, just be able to like kind of take your fandom for this franchise and, and recontextualize it in a new way. And just, there's so many stories oh, yeah. like these, these characters lend themselves to just action figures being pulled out, you know, toy story, like, and just mushed into different categories because you kind of get a, a general 
picture of what they'll be up to, but there's always going to be some mystery and some twist to it. And like the relationship between the characters is always different. And I, I don't know. I, there's, it's such a fun world to play in that, that being able to take it seriously and set it up and give it respect and make it scary would be so much fun. And, and there's also, there's just, I don't know. It's, it's satisfying on so many levels of, of the, I'm excited to see what the kids playground area looks like. And then also the most like scary macabre, like haunted house area too. Yeah, and especially with like when it comes to like this interactive entertainment is like I love the idea of the unpredictability of it. Even as like we say, oh, we're we're writing this, but you never truly know what's going to happen, especially when you have people that are, you know, are like the face characters where like they're they're able to interact with people. Cause for me, I, I love when you have stuff like a kid like smack talking like Dracula and then like Dracula has like a sick burn <laughs> or something. I think that's it's such a good place for for people who are pretty good improvisers to to be the voice of the invisible man right like and you're just making fun of everybody who walks by or whatever um and you have a few different props you can lower in on fishing line they do this thing at like knott's berry farm it's called like sad eye joe's where it's like a like a little peek and there's like a guy in like a little prison cell named uh, sad eye joe and during halloween like the person that's supposed to be there's like a little microphone in there and someone has a camera and sees you like they can say like the most vile awful things to you but that's kind of the charm of it the invisible man like saying and Im- like improving in that way like i'd love that if you've never had a chance to go to universal during halloween or during the summer when they do ghost town alive is some of the most fun because it's actually a very similar to like what you're talking about because they open up a uh, calico with a bunch of like actors and like they're like we're, we're setting it during this day so like you have like these little missions you have you can interact with the townsfolk like oh maybe i might talk to the person that does all the photography you talk to them and they give you like a little maybe like a little mission to do it's a lot of fun actually if you've never done it i re- strongly recommend it if it ever comes yeah, that back. sounds really cool and yeah so many of these things are like great recommendations depending on how covid goes and how the future of our country looks and everything oh man i can't wait till the day when things are you know not everything's normal again but when theme parks are open again that'll be really cool and it's an opportunity for progress i i miss theme parks because for me those are just fun because i understand like the appeal of like people that like go like i remember like I, when i used to work there there were people that were like regular people that would just come in every day and sometimes they would like get to really know you and some of them like you know oh i'm retired uh, you know like oh my, my wife passed away and i come here just to hang out with people and just have like a good time that's why i think that's like the power of theme parks that i kind of miss is like that communal experience of being able to go to one and like goof with your friends yeah. and stuff is like what i love and i miss at times There's so much, yeah, so much cool stuff you could do here. So many different escape rooms you could do. Like I was thinking of a, a Frankenstein's monster area where you um, can switch out his brain to like get him to do different things. Like it's almost like a video game concept, I guess, where different brains give him different abilities, and you're like swapping out like what his skill set is by putting different brains in there. And it could be kind of a fun, like goofy, almost like a playground type thing, I guess. But also it could be an escape room if you need him to smash through that thing and then be able to like have more finesse and more specific skills to complete something else for you. Uh, it could be kind of cool. But yeah, that would be super cool. Actually. I totally agree with you when it comes to that. Like it would be a lot of fun to have like those interactive elements, especially in escape rooms though. For me, I think 
the centerpiece, like the the ride that I really, really wish they would make is almost like a Universal Studios like dark ride almost of like kind of like their hyped up version of the haunted mansion where like all the monsters like converge maybe into dracula's castle almost where it's like an interactive dark ride where it's just what's the best way to put it like i always thought of like this is gonna sound weird but like one of my friends sent me this thing he was talking to me about like he found at a flea market like proposals for like a gotham city at universal like one of the proposals they were gonna do and they're gonna have like blue sky stuff. And one of the ideas was going to be like a Justice League ride, but they were experimenting. Like, what if we could actually like induce guests with like fear and anger and happiness, like as brain <laughs> things? Because it's blue sky stuff, like it was never gonna <laughs> happen. And the, there's actually a great article about this. Wild. Like, for me, I would love like a dark ride where it's like you go through Dracula's castle, maybe it's like uh, you you are pretty much trying to escape from Dracula as he's trying to kill you, and by the end you end up in your like doom buggy or whatever you're gonna call it. It's a pun. You impale Dracula and you save the day, and like Van Helsing like gives you like a high five or something. That's rad. Uh, yeah, the vehicle could also be Dracula. Um. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that'd be fun. No, no, that's like an element where like you like you're chased out into the grounds. Like I'm thinking of it more like the aesthetic of like the Van Helsing movie with. Oh, God, what's his name? Yeah, Hugh that's a cool movie. I mean, it's a little goofy, but it's pretty fun. Yeah, like that's what I was thinking. Of. I think that's a Universal movie too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was the, when they were originally trying to do the Dark Universe. Man, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, it seems like they've been trying to reboot those series, those series for so long. And Doctor Van Helsing is such a cool, like you know, pivot point for that whole series. Like he could totally be the Iron Man. Like I see why what the the similarities between the universal monster universe and the Marvel cinematic universe, but it's too bad. It hasn't taken off yet. Maybe, maybe there's hope for it yet. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll figure that out once it right? happens, if it happens. And I know we didn't do a lot of like roller coasters per se, but I don't know if it really, that makes that much sense to do here. It's hard to do diegetic roller coasters. See, I would do like almost like a mouse roller coaster where it just like zigzags or it's like, it's just like one of those. I don't. I don't like to use the term throwaway roller coasters because you, you just have it to the side where it's like the flat of the hippogriff where people can go on for the people that like roller coasters and they have a good time with it. But it's. I feel like you would probably have maybe like the dark ride starts off almost like kind of like a launch coaster almost where you get propelled mm-hmm. like the 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 carriage loses control as you head towards the castle. And then that's where it starts to become more of a dark ride throw ride at times. Very cool. And I mean, it could definitely work. Like the theming could be that you get bit by a vampire and you're turned into a bat and you fly around. But I don't think bats really fly in those kinds of patterns. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that's for like flying over Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, <laughs> where you get turned into a bat. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. It could be like the, the Peter Pan ride or something, maybe. Yeah. No, it's kind of like soaring over California. It's, it's soaring over Transylvania. Yeah. Hey, that works. I like it. You can get a lay of the land and maybe yeah. you can find some clues from up there from that vantage point. You can be like, oh, look at that. There's like a clearing with, you know, a pentagram drawn on the on the ground. That must be something related to some kind of monster. Um, that would yeah. be fun. That would be a lot I of also, fun. Oh, man. What was it? It's gone. No, is it gone? Oh, yeah. What about this? If the park guests are just playing humans, like maybe they're like more of a fly on the wall or something. But it, would we want to have the option of where they can they can get bitten and transformed into you know, a vampire or a werewolf. Like, 
What do you think about that? Oh, man, that's actually kind of like a fun thing. But yeah, I, I would say yes to that. The problem, though, is like, I feel like you're going to have people that are like really in on the joke and then people that think it's like very silly. Yeah. Like I feel like it's almost like if you're going to do it like that, it needs to be something almost like the wands or the lightsabers mm. at Galaxy's Edge or the Wizarding World where you have to like actively want to be like, oh, if you want to pursue the path of the vampire, like you obviously I, I don't want to say you have to pony up money, but you pony sure, up money. or points in the game or yeah, you, you have to choose an yeah. alignment for the day and then you can. I mean, I don't think we want to actually bite the part guest, but I think it'd just be so fun to be able to do like gimmicky things. Oh no. See, that's where you do almost like the, like the vampire becoming ceremony Ooh. or something like they do like universal yeah. and stuff now, Well, obviously they don't bite you, but there's something like another way to become a vampire. That's really cool. Cause I'm just picturing like an area with a really thin hallway. And so your party has to go through single file and you walk by a mirror. And then those of you who have chosen to become uh, vampires, like they turn the mirror off and it's just like, a video feed of the wall behind you and then the next person walks by and it's with back to a mirror like you could do some like kind of just gimmicky almost fun house type things of like half of this party is vampires and half of them is not so let's let's indicate that that is too much fun i like that idea <laughs> you're so walking much. by a cross or some kind of christian imagery and like when you get up next to it it's really hot like they turn on like some kind of like heater really hot and then the next person it's turned off so it's like what it's totally fine standing over by this cross. And they're like, no, it was really hot. It was like super uncomfortable over there. Like that kind of stuff is kind of a dumb idea, but it'd be really fun to to play with that. Yeah, no, I think actually the idea of having, like thinking of it more, like I like that idea a little bit more of having the ability to like kind of like pick your alliance almost. shape of water and you're an adult or you can handle it it's a great motion picture huge fan yeah no ah man all the meet and greets like the go man that'd be so much fun yeah he's a a cool character very unique um very unique look too i mean that could be kind of i don't know how would you meet and greet is are you on land i guess I was picturing it being like yeah, a, like you're halfway in the water type thing but that's kind of weird like a baptism no because the um well the go man is also like a person um the go man is a creature that can be in land mm-hmm. and water. So he just comes out. Oh, he's coming out of the lake right now. And you have it almost look like he's coming out of the lake. And then he does his meet and greet where he scares people. Oh my God. I'm seeing this like visually. It's, <laughs> it's kind of scary. actually. I was picturing it almost like a stunt show. Like I'm picturing like a water, oh, water world. More sense. But all of these different <laughs> universal monsters could have like, you know, a, a stunt actor portraying them. And like you see Dracula like fly in on his zip line and like he does like a roll. And like, you know, Frankenstein's monster like picks him up and like throws him through like a bedroom window or like it could be really cool to have like a huge choreographed, you know, Kung Fu fight Matrix style. Oh, that would be like the main stunt show. Like That would be so much fun. I, I love the idea of like dumb stunt shows like that. Like I love the Waterworld stunt show. I love all like the Wild West stunt shows they do at Knott's. There's a lot of them. It's like that charm is kind of like people like to see them anymore. Like I love the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular they had for a very mm-hmm. long time. Like that'd be so much fun of just having like your monster yeah. mash. Yeah. Monster mash. That's a great name for it. And we can play that song 24 seven. 
dude, that's great. Um, I really like that. It's almost like uh, there's this thing called Kaiju Big Battle or Big Battle. I'm not sure how you say it, but it's basically pro wrestling, but everyone's dressed up like a kaiju. <laughs> oh, I know what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure my friend Chris from Gargantu Cast is like screaming at his podcast machine now. Like, I love that <laughs> so much. So cool. Yeah, uh, love that. Stuff. I mean, I like pro wrestling anyway, but like put on more costumes and get more into you know being a, an alien character or a monster or whatever it's great. oh no frankenstein's got the chair <laughs> i can see it it makes so much sense oh man <laughs> uh cool well i mean do you have anything that, that like you absolutely must get out on the podcast like as far as uh designing this theme park well for me i think the biggest thing also because i love food mm. i i want it to be more like when you're in like the European village, I just want German food, just fun little quaint Dude. things. Uh, some something very October festive. Yeah, and this will tie in with the uh, episode that came out before this one, which is about Berlin a couple months ago, I guess. And I love that band. That's great. <laughs> oh, the city that that was inspired by the band, actually. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no German food is so good, and uh, I got to go to Germany once. It was really cool, and I'm vegan. And there was a restaurant that had like. Uh, traditional german food but it was all vegan and it was like probably one of my oh. favorite meals i've ever had on planet earth and it was so good oh so let's just do that there i would love to, almost like for those that are like those are the quick service restaurants but like i really want to do like dracula's castle kind of like like a nice fine dining yeah. area where it's like the the finest dining where it's like almost harkers back to the uh the scene in dracula with like jonathan harker and dracula from the book and also i guess in in the movie it's a little different with yeah. renfield but you have like that like, you know big gorgeous like dining hall it's like very ornate like that's the stuff like for me i love food festivals and stuff so like food at theme parks are very near and dear that's to my heart cool. and would you want to have like each there's like a dining room with this humongous table and it's just set for one person and like it's a premium like giveaway type thing or is it like we would have it set up feast style well see that'd be one of the things you'd win in the lottery yeah. wouldn't it? you get to have a a, a you get to have like a face with Dracula, a super or awkward yeah like... meal with this guy just like creeping out all over you. I love it, especially the Gary Oldman uh, Dracula is particularly creepy. So that'd be wonderful. See, that would be that would be great. Like, there's a lot of things like you would do with that, and obviously they would have like, oh man, like just like the the wacky things. Like you have like Dracula special wine or something like blood red wine, or you have like obviously for all that stuff it would have to be like punny thing yeah oh dude yeah there's so <laughs> many like funny like sign gags you can have and like goofy things on the menu and even at a bar like there's so many uh you know like references to werewolves of london the the song and yeah it'd be great see like for me like the one thing i miss about california adventure and it was like really when they first opened it was like really dumb and goofy <laughs> was they'd have like a bunch of puns about california and stuff like the one that i remember was um you know they have like a, a ride called the Malaboomers because it's supposed to be about Malibu, but they also had Caliburritos and just a bunch of like wacky places, like something very similar to like that sign punniness yeah. would be. I'm great. a big fan. Yeah, that's great. And there's so many different other places we can pull from, like that have been inspired by the Universal Monsters. Like um, Lego does a lot of stuff that's inspired by this. Like the Simpsons do the Tree House of Horror all the time. Um, there's just so many places we can put in additional references beyond what directly comes from those yeah. original films. But man, I just, I love this kind of horror. Like it's a very specific kind of horror, but it just, it plays well in so many different, um, 
interpretations and like at so many different levels that I, I'm just I'm so excited about this theme park. I love it. Yeah, no, it's so exciting. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. Uh, so Zach, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. This was a blast. Thank you for bringing your expertise. <laughs> well, good. I'm I'm glad that you were excited about this, and I'm glad it, it didn't disappoint too much. But uh, if the audience wants to learn more about you, where can they find you online? If you want to find me on Twitter, you can find me at Suda41. That's S-U-D-A-4-1. You can follow my show of Gods and Monsters, a podcast where I talk about movies from my bygone era. We release usually bi-weekly now, so you can find those on on wednesdays and you can find that on somethingghoulish.com i also have another show called radio camp half blood a percy jackson read-along podcast for me and my friend b we read through the percy jackson series i have read them they have not and we have a fun time talking about like gay horse girl movies and like smoothies and baja blast like, we have a lot of fun <laughs> and that's pretty much all the places you can find me that's amazing 